Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Inshallah. This is a common utterance throughout the Middle East where I used to live. It means, if God wills it. You hear it all the time. I'll leave on my business trip tomorrow, inshallah. I'll make it safely home, inshallah. I'm getting married next week, inshallah. My child will get well, inshallah. Seems that in the mind of many Arabs, most if not all events are connected to the will of God. This Calvinistic thinking is also embedded in the minds of countless Christians worldwide. God led me to this job, or this person, or this lifestyle. Everything happens for a reason. There are no accidents. God has a special someone waiting just for me. Is that the way it works? Dr. Jennings is with us today via Skype to discuss God's will and how we can identify it and benefit from it. Dr. Jennings, what do we need to know? Well, you know, some, Charles, I really love the way you opened this show today and how you have expanded this perception outside of Christianity to include Islam, but yes, uh, also yes. Jewish people. And, and lots of people around the world have this perception about whatever God they worship and then God's will for their life. So this is a common human concern, and it opens the first principle or brings us to the first principle of knowing God's will. And the first principle of knowing God's will is we must actually know God before we can know God's will. Mm. You see, there's nothing more dangerous on earth, in my view, than somebody on a mission for God who doesn't actually know God. It's true, true. Think of all the horrors done throughout history by people who were so-called doing God's will, acting for God, on a mission for God, but they didn't actually know God. And you can see this across the landscape of all religions of the world. This is not simply an Islamic terrorist blowing themselves up as a suicide bomber on a mission from God. Look in the Dark Ages and Christians and what they did to people during the Dark Ages. And so if you want to know God's will, before you seek to know his will, I would suggest you seek to know God. That's the first principle. And then where do we find the most accurate revelation about God? Well, in the life of Jesus. Yes. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then knowing who God is is revealed in Jesus, then we want to further delve into God as our creator and his laws for life, how he constructed life to operate, his design protocols for life. And so to seek truth and to seek the knowledge of God, we want to seek that knowledge in the various revelatory streams that he has given to us. And one of those, of course, is scripture. That's why we want to go to scripture and use scripture to find the truth about God. But scripture tells us he's also revealed himself to us in things that have made. In Romans 1.20, God's divine nature is seen in what he has made so that men are without excuse. So we want to harmonize our understanding of scripture with his laws of nature that he has built into reality. And the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So we want to harmonize that with life experiences. And so God is the God of reality. Problems come upon people when they pursue God's will and they have superstitious beliefs about God or fantasy beliefs about God or fraudulent beliefs about God. Then they believe that God would want something done because they believe that's how he does it but it's not how he does it. Mm -hmm. And so they misconstrue his providences, events happening, 
or will or purposes because they really don't know God or know how he works. And so the first principle is to spend time getting to know God and how he works. You know, you mentioned this on other shows, how important it is that we have a clear understanding of the character of God. Because, you know, those of us who love God and want to worship God, you've told us that we tend to become like the God we worship. That's where it happens. Am I right? You are right. And what you've just articulated is one of his design laws, how reality works. It's called the law of worship, or in the Bible describes it functionally, by beholding we become changed. We cannot help but be changed neurobiologically, characterologically, by what we spend time watching, reading, adoring, admiring, worshiping. We become changed neurobiologically, characterologically, and the principles we practice. And so, yes, this is why God says to worship him, the infinite God of love, because as we really make him supreme in our lives, we are drawn toward and become more and more like him. But what's happened is many people have taken the concept of a creator God, a supreme being, and replaced his true attributes, qualities, and character with a fraudulent worldly view of an imperial dictator who uses power over his creatures to punish and demand behavioral conformity from. This is not how God works. Jesus, who, when all power was given to him in John chapter 13, got down on his knees and washed dirty feet. God uses his power to serve and to uplift and to bring his resources, energy, love, principles to their lives to make their lives better. He doesn't demand that we serve him to somehow make his life better. Okay, know God first. What's the second principle? Once you know God and God's true character of love is revealed in Jesus, then you know certain truths when you pursue his his will. What is his will? Well, there's certain truths that are always his will. It is always his will for you and every other human to come into an intimate love relationship with him, to come into a saving relationship, or to come to salvation. If you want to say it, that's always his will. That That's never in question. It's always his will that as we do that, we grow in maturity and develop fruits of the Spirit. So it's always his will we become more kind, more patient, more loving, we have more joy, we have more peace. It's always his will that we gain self-mastery or self-control, the last fruit of the Spirit. So all of these developmental aspects of our life, we can be sure it's God's will for us. It's always God's will that we love other people, but that love is more than just a altruistic attitude or compassionate perspective towards, that love will take action, that we seek to use our energies to be a actual eternal blessing to people, not a human codependent, feel-good maker of somebody's life. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the corruptions that many people don't actually have a mature understanding of love. And so they do many things that are actually harmful under the false human feel-good love, which isn't really love at all. Real love is bringing to bear your energies in a way that are going to be a positive influence on somebody for their eternal destiny. And it's always God's will that we act in accordance with truth and love. So that's always God's will. So far, you've identified some foundation stones that we can build our belief on, knowing God first and, and looking for the truth. I haven't heard you talk about what I should eat today or what I should wear or who's waiting for me there for my romantic love. Those questions are actually much, much secondary, but as we practice God's principles, pursuing his will by pursuing the development of his character in ours and how we live and how we function and seek 
his will, but many ignore the evidence God has given them of where he's leading and instead replace the actual leadings of God with fraudulent stuff. For instance, God has given us reasoning powers, and he is the God of truth, and he's revealed his principles and his designs in scripture and in nature, and he has called us to reason with him. And he tells us in Romans that every person should be fully persuaded in their own mind. He has given us individuality. He wants us to develop and expand our capacities for thinking, discerning, the mature of those who develop by practice, the ability to discern right from wrong. He wants us to be able to tell the difference between what's healthy and unhealthy, what's right and wrong. And so he puts circumstances and situations in our lives that are template or substance for us to practice our God-given thinking, reasoning, and discerning abilities upon bringing his principles to bear and learning from life experiences that we can mature and grow. He wants us to do this. And then many times he will give us evidences that are very clear on what the action is that we should take, but the action where God is leading us based on the actual evidence before us, I'll give you an example in a moment, may be contrary to the way we feel. We may have a feeling that is working against the evidence, or it may be contrary to the influence of friends or other people who may want to do something. For instance, a teenager may know very clearly the evidence before them of whether they should smoke or not smoke, or go to this party or not that party, or have sexual intimacy before marriage. There are many things God has given evidence for, but then they're in a relationship, whether friendship relationships and peers are pressuring them to try this or do that, or it's a romantic dating relationship and, and their romantic partner is pressuring them to, to advance the relationship physically beyond where they believe God would have them go. And then they go home and pray about it. Well, Lord, I really love this person. And, and uh, because I really love them, would, would, would it be okay? And so forth and so on. This is fraudulent pursuit of God's will because God has already revealed his will. Yes. Yes. He's already revealed his design. He already reveals what's healthy, and we already know it. And so many people pursue God's will when his will has already been shown, and they don't want it because it goes against their inclinations or what would feel good in the moment. And thus they are left to pursue their own desires, many of them falsely believing that it was a blessing from God. I like that. I like that, Dr. Jennings, because you're saying that God's will has already been revealed to all of us. We don't have to go searching for God's will in the everyday. We have to apply God's will in the everyday. Would I be right in saying that? In the principles and the practices in our general decision-making, but then people could say, yeah, yeah, okay, fine, fine, fine. Uh, Those are easy ones. But what about this specific person? Should I marry this person or not? Mm -hmm. Or should I take this job or not? Or should I buy this house or not? And this is where people are asking God to reveal his will to them. It's absolutely righteous to pray to God that he will give you wisdom, discernment, insight, and uh, even perhaps conviction of duty, if there's a duty you need to perform, to lead you in a path. God will do all of these things if you ask him, but there is not this idea that there's only one human being in the world that God can bring blessings to you in marriage with and will you can be happy with and fulfill God's purposes with is is pretty fraudulent. That is not true. There are multiple people in the world that you could be quite happy, compatible, and within God's blessing, and he can bring well-being and uh, happiness with you 
with that person. There are multiple godly people, in other words, you could be compatible with. God operates under one of his laws, which is the law of liberty, and he wants you to exercise your autonomy, your God-given individuality to make choices under the umbrella of his principles while seeking to honor him with your life and certainly inquiring, and there sometimes are specific places he calls specific people, and there are certain times where he will close doors or open doors, so to speak, and I remember time in my life, there was an opportunity for a job and to move to a different state, and I put in my application, I got my license, and I, I said, but Lord, this looks pretty good, but if it's not really what you'd have me do, then then have that not work out. Close that door for me. And lo and behold, even though that was an, uh, a recruited invitation, some things and events happened that that job evaporated. It went away, and I, I see God's hand because I was seeking him, but there was no direct evidence to me for the reason for that. So this is where there's a balance between our following God's principles in our life and making wise decisions based on the evidences, and then also bringing God in to overrule when there are no direct evidences for us to make a better decision upon. Interesting point. So God's will may sometimes run contrary to what our desires are. Would I be right in saying that? Oh, I think that's consistent. I think our carnal natures give us frequent desires that may not be his will. Some of them sinful desires, like a typical adolescent lustful desire, okay, that we all have have had in our lives. Or some desires may not be exactly a sinful desire. It may just be a a desire that looks good from a human standpoint and even looks wise. Uh, I have a desire to change this job and move here here to that city and take this position because all these positive benefits and there's no evil that you can see in it, but God may know that there's some Mm. problem in that place where you're going to go that will work counter to you, uh, allowing God's foreknowledge and sovereignty to come to bear and overrule is a way we trust him with outcomes that we can't control, while we make the wisest decisions in governance of ourselves with the discernment he's given us. Wow. Listener, we just heard about knowing God's will from Dr. Tim Jennings today on our program. There's a website for you to enjoy. It is commonreason.com. A lot of resources there for you to continue the journey of understanding and knowledge. That's all at commonreason.com. Well, Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Together.